there, I'm Leslie Goodburn. You're listening to the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcast. In the podcast, we look at pancreatic cancer across its impacts, outcomes, and future treatment and support. We'll hear from patients, loved ones about the reality of the diagnosis. We'll hear from surgeons, oncologists, and nurses about the work they do to support people who are affected. We'll hear about the wonderful work done by researchers to find a breakthrough in understanding and treatments for the future. We hope that as a result of the podcast, you'll learn more about the signs and symptoms, about how this diagnosis affects the family, about the hope for the future. Thank you for listening. Charlotte and I look forward to you joining us on our journey through pancreatic cancer throughout the 30 days of November with contributors from across the world. The Purple Rainbow podcasts are produced as part of Seth's legacy in memory of my wonderful, kind, curious, funny husband, Seth Goodburn. Welcome to today's episode. I'm Charlotte. And today I'm speaking with Kathy Del Giorno. Kathy is assistant professor at the Vanderbilt University and her lab studies diseases of the pancreas. So we study both pancreatitis, which is an inflammatory condition of the pancreas, and it's a risk factor for pancreatic cancer. And we study different events that lead to pancreatic cancer, as well as the actual invasive disease. But what we're most interested in is early changes in the pancreas that occur in the progression of these diseases. So both pancreatitis and pancreatic cancer have relatively few treatments available. There's little to do for pancreatitis patients besides control the diet, and there are only a few different treatments for patients with pancreatic cancer, which I think a lot of people in this audience are probably aware of. And one of the main reasons for that is that these diseases are detected after they've already progressed or after they've already caused major damage to the pancreas. And so we use different animal models and cell culture models, and we try to figure out what happens in the beginning and then what changes between this kind of early stage injury or pre-invasive disease that leads to the more aggressive condition. Because if we can understand the changes that happen or how the body tries to protect itself, then we can maybe use those strategies to block the disease from actually becoming aggressive. What you say makes so much sense. You know, if you know what, if you know, no, no, it just, it's one of those things, isn't it? You know, if, if we understand what's happening, then we can go back a couple of steps to get, go forward a few steps, isn't it? It's about understanding the reactions that are taking place. So what, what in particular are, are you looking at at the moment? So we're very heavily studying a process called metaplasia. And so all that means is that when a tissue becomes injured, and this can be really any kind of tissue, the intestine or the esophagus, it changes what it's made up of so that it can express or secrete or deposit different things that allow it to heal. So you see immune cells come in, but the tissue itself, it starts to make different things that quell the injury, call in the immune system, and then allow the tissue to heal before it can ever progress to forming a mutation or becoming cancer. And so we do this by both looking at patient samples, but also using a lot of different genetically engineered mouse models. And then we bring in all kinds of different techniques in our laboratory. We use things um, like single cell RNA sequencing, people might have heard of, a lot of pathology and histology. And then we use the genetically engineered animals to take out those genes or those different kinds of cells that we think are either helping or hurting the disease 
to see if that's how they affect disease progression. And what progress have you made so far? I know research projects take a long time. <laughs> and so, so, you know, it's interesting to see where, you, where you're up to. And, well, we've actually made quite a lot of progress. And this is something that I've been working on for 15 years, starting when I was in graduate school and now in my own laboratory. And in the beginning, we used, you know, more simple techniques like microscopy, where we just looked at the tissue. So we took the animal tissues where we knew the disease was really early. We know that it hasn't gotten any major mutations or become cancer. And we see what's going on. We know it's not normal, but we also know it's not cancer. And so even with just microscopy, we were able to see these little lesions that formed in the pancreas and that they had all different kinds of cell types. And so what we found is that there are something called Tup cells in these lesions. And these are sensory cells. So they're not unlike what you would find you know, in your eye or, or even more accurately in your taste buds. So your taste buds, you know, anytime you eat anything, they'll taste bitter or they'll taste sweet and they're reacting to the chemicals they sense in the food or the molecules or whatever you want to call them. But it's a sensory that tells your body, you know, this is sweet, this is good, this is bitter, this could be poison. And you have those cells all throughout your body. So in effect, you have different kinds of cells that taste what comes down your esophagus or what's in your stomach or what's in your intestine. It just doesn't tell your brain that it's sweet, but they taste what's there. And then they tell your nerves or your immune system whether or not they should react. And so what we found years and years ago is that the first little lesions that form in your pancreas in response to injury form these cells. And they're beautiful under the microscope. They have very special features. They perform this taste function. And then they tell immune cells whether or not to come into the pancreas. And that controls how much injury forms in response to you know, whatever kind of agitation you've had. And so since we discovered that those cell types form, we've gone in and we've used our genetically engineered mice so that we could allow the same lesions to form, but without those cell types specifically. So we take the tough cells out and we do the same thing. And what we've found is that in pancreatic injury, it's actually a lot worse. And so we found this cell type that forms from your normal pancreas tissue that blocks inflammation, it blocks additional injury and allows the pancreas to heal. And we've done similar experiments in the context of what is a KRAS mutation, which probably a lot of people here have heard of too, but it's the main mutation they find in patients with pancreatic cancer. So they think it's the first thing that occurs that causes these lesions to form. And we found that if we have this mutation, but we take out these tough cells, that the disease progresses a lot more quickly to cancer. And so in other terms, what we've found is one of the body's natural defenses against more injury and tumor forming in the pancreas. So what does this all mean for people who have pancreatic cancer and people treating those with pancreatic cancer? Well, so what we want to see is we want to figure out how these cell types block cancer. So we're, we're using our sequencing, we're using our different techniques, and we found different cytokines that the cell types um, make and secrete to interfere with the immune system. And what we're doing now is we're taking those strategies and we're giving it to our, our mouse models that have injury or tumor genesis to see if it blocks disease. So while we don't think we can make these cell types form on command in a patient, we can figure out how the pancreas heals itself. So we've taken this strategy and we've applied it to every other cell type that we think is forming in these injury or these really early lesions. And we found a lot of new cell types that haven't been described before that make hormones 
or mucus or all kinds of things that we believe is the body's natural way of healing the pancreas and preventing disease. So we now have a lot of people in the lab that are studying these cell types or what they make, and then we're going to give the mice these products that they make to see if it blocks disease. So our ultimate goal is to be able to combine that kind of treatment strategy with an early detection method. So we're also looking in the blood, which I think a lot of people are doing now, but we're looking for our signatures. We're looking for any evidence that these cell types have formed in the pancreas. Because if they're there, it means there's something wrong. But if they're there, it also means it hasn't progressed to cancer yet. So if we can tell that they're there, uh, maybe we can tell someone has the disease early. And if we can mimic how these cell types block disease progression, then we can use that as a treatment strategy to make sure that the pancreas never gets to the point where it's uncurable. This all sounds really exciting uh, because, you know, <laughs> because it, it's... We always hear about early detection being the biggest thing or the biggest, uh, you know, one of the biggest things that you can do to prevent pancreatic cancer being such a horrific disease that, that it is. How, how excited are you about these findings and what it could mean? I'm very excited about these findings because we can actually now use all these new technologies we have and categorically look at these changes, right? So we can now look at everything that's there. We can look at how the pancreas is changing, the different kinds of immune cells that come in. What kind of immune cells do we get when it's still an injury versus once it's precancer versus what's, you know, once it's cancer? And so those are things that we can also look for in the blood. Do we have evidence of those immune cells? Do we have evidence that they're secreting something that we know is pro-tumorigenic, right? And while other cancers, you know, like breast cancer, you can go in and get screened for you can't do that for the pancreas because of where it's located, the lack of symptoms that you have until you have a pretty severe disease. So we're hoping that if we know what all these early events are and we can detect them in the blood, then it's the same as getting your, you know, your mammogram or, or your colonoscopy. And then it gives you time to get uh, preventive therapy. What was it about looking at the pancreas and finding out more about the pancreas that sort of attracted you to... To, to, to all this work and all this research, you know, 15 years of your life? <laughs> uh, well, at, at the very beginning, I had just gotten out of the Air Force and I had moved to Arizona. And the first job I got was as a research te technician uh, working in both adrenal cancer and pancreatic cancer. And so that was back in 2007, around then. And I started working, you know, with the people who work in this field. I started going to PANCAN events um, or the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. And I started just seeing the extreme need there was for research in this area. At the time, the, you know, the they didn't really have the 5K runs as so much as walks. They didn't have patients attending. They only had caregivers. Uh, the funding wasn't there. The tumor banks were kind of, you know, being set up, at least in that area, and so once I went to graduate school and there was a lab studying this, I, I mean, I, I just knew there was a very big need to jump in. And then honestly, once I got involved and I saw the pathology and the techniques, I really fell in love with the area of study. And so now I have my own laboratory where I try to pass on that interest and that passion to my students. And what's it like when you do, you know, when you you make a little discovery or you get a little tick in the box when you, you know, you go, yes, that's worked the way I want it to, or no, that hasn't worked the way I want it to, but actually it showed me something else. How does that feel? 
you know, I I mean, it's incredible, but it's it's such a long game, you know, because you you go through this. Oh, I think this is important. I think this is important. You make a, um, you have to make a model of it. Almost everything for pancreas we have to do in an animal model because cell culture doesn't it doesn't mimic everything that we see in the human. It doesn't have a microbiome. It doesn't have inflammation. And so I'll set these experiments up a year in advance with just, you know, the faith that it's going to, it's going to tell me something. And the first time I saw that the tough cell knockout mouse, uh, had that those cells had an effect on disease. I cried a little, actually. I was just, I was so excited that we, you know, we found something. Again, I don't know how many people realize just how much prep work there is to setting up these these tests the and the research that you do and how long it takes and how how you know you've I'm guessing you have to go through ethics you have to go through all of the everything to, to get to get them through so to get a result it just yes it yeah. means a lot doesn't it it means it means a lot yeah and when it comes to getting getting the your, your students involved, how do you how do you skate them? Come on, pancreas, the pancreas, it's the one to look at. How do you get them enticed and excited about it? Well, first off, I think it's probably no surprise that a lot of people come into the lab because they have a family member that's been affected. So a lot of people come come in with you know already pretty motivated, uh, with a desire to jump into the work, um, or or they've worked in the field, so they know it's important. But if, if we're not starting at that level, I put up a lot of pretty pictures. They're just, there's just, be, I, I, you know, you can't show it on a podcast, but there's just this beautiful level of like microscopy that you can do in all these changes that occur or, or when you can have them resolve in these early stages of disease with these different cell types forming. And I, I mean, I don't think I made it clear before, but it's the process of you know, what is the aster tissue or the normal tissue in the pancreas that completely changes gene expression. It turns on different genes it, and then it grows different physical features to become a completely different cell. And so we can watch them go through this process. Um, and we do a lot of ultra resolution microscopy and it, it really is in that way beautiful. Yeah. You mentioned earlier on in, when we were chatting about how there's some beautiful changes and some beautiful cells and I get it. But for but what for you what makes it beautiful? Why is this? Why is it? Why is it beautiful? I think it's the organization to it, right? Because and I remember when I got started, people would say, you know, I, I found these changes, I found these new cell types, and they'd say, well, you know, there's a mutation or there's something wrong, so it might maybe it's an accident of development or just a a random event. And what we found is that. The aster cells turn into these different cell types, but there's an order to it. They're professional cells. They have this beautiful structure. And we've discovered a program in which this happens. So this is an actual, you know, biological and what I like to think of as an intentional event for the body to heal itself, even in the presence of this mutation. So it's not just, you know, everything's breaking out chaos. It's this ordered event that your body has to fix the problem that eventually goes astray. But I think it's finally finding order in something biological that's that's really beautiful. And then, you know, the pictures that we can make of it with, you know, the microscopy. So we've talked about the progress you're making, things that are happening. What about frustrations? What's frustrating you at the moment? 
Frustrations. I, I mean, I guess it would just have to be that things move so slowly. Yeah. And that you can't you can't do everything. You have to prioritize and then you have was that the right was that the right thing to prioritize? And I, I yeah, and I'm sure that's something that everyone shares is that it's it's just very slow. You mentioned that you've been doing this for the last 15 years. What are your hopes for the next 5, 10, 15 years? I want to not only understand the changes, I want to develop different ways to intercept. I want to be able to block progression while healing the tissue. So I want to figure out how it works, and then I want to be able to do it. Um, And I also want to be able to look for these changes and and be able to detect them. Can I detect these in blood? Can we see these changes in patients? So I really want to take what started out as a very basic discovery and see how we can bring that into something that would be clinically, you know, directly translatable. Thank you so much to Kathy for being part of the podcast. Don't forget, we're releasing an episode every single weekday throughout November. So to make sure you don't miss an episode Monday to Friday, you can follow the podcast in your podcast app. That means it will be there waiting for you. Little little notification as well on your phone to tell you that your podcast has arrived. Of course, you can always go to our website, purplerainbow.co.uk as well.